Take a deep breath and let it out. You might not know it, but indoor air quality is a topic that affects all of us. At Renew Air, we're on a mission to educate listeners on indoor air quality and the factors that impact it. Welcome to Indoor Air Quality IQ. Hello, everyone, and welcome to IAQ IQ, Indoor Air Quality, and you, a podcast from the experts at Renew Air. I'm your host, Tyler Kern, and I'm joined again this week by Nick Agopian, Vice President of Sales and Marketing at Renew Air. Nick, great to talk to you again, man. How are you doing? Excellent. Thank you so much. Are you ready for part two of our episode with Corbett and Grace Lunsford? Very much so. Looking forward to it. Well, let's welcome them back to the podcast. Corbett and Grace Lunsford, co-creators and hosts of the TV series Home Diagnosis. Corbett and Grace, thanks for joining us once again. Yeah, thanks for having us. Thanks, Tyler. Absolutely. Well, for everyone listening out there, this is part two of a conversation where we are discussing higher performing homes. And so if you missed part one, go back and listen to part one and then come back and and listen to part two. As today we're getting in a little bit more into the role of energy efficiency, the chemistry of a healthy home and what implementation of these solutions looks like. And so Grace, let's start off there as we have discussed about high performing homes in the the first part of this podcast series. What role does energy efficiency play as, as we look back at our conversation from uh, from the previous episode. Sure. Well, you know, even beyond looking back at our previous conversation, looking back at the movements and education around home performance over the last 30 years, um, we've, we've tried to make a push that it's about energy efficiency. And if it really was, it would have worked, but it didn't. And And the reason why is because it's not about energy efficiency. High-performing homes have wonderful byproducts. And one of those byproducts is energy efficiency, but it's not the goal. Again, back to Corbett's 4321 that you heard in part one, the ultimate number one thing is the goal of finding control and balance and tuning your home. And then you get some lovely byproducts like a more comfortable home, a dry home, an energy efficient home, one that you have confidence in um, with its systems. So is it, would I be correct then in saying that if, you're, if your end goal is energy efficiency, that that's putting things in the wrong order, that, that you have maybe the wrong end goal and that that's a byproduct of the other things that, that we've discussed as far as having a high performing home? Well, this is, so this is one of the interesting nuances of what we're talking about people um you know we we tend to think that something if something is good then more of that would be even better and it turns out because the home is a system every home is a system that if you mm, chase after energy efficiency which we are doing already and by the way nick brought up the blower door test um and you know we kind of talked in detail about that in the last episode that actually is code the minimum building code in lots of states at this point and it will be in all states at some point in the near future Um, when you make a house airtight you are creating side effects because that's of course what we do when we do anything to a home and so when you create those side effects uh, one of the side effects of a an energy efficient tight home that's well insulated and has a you know a modestly sized heating and cooling system is that you might get stale air inside. And so you might then, if you don't have a ventilation system to to address that, which you should always do, that's also in the code, by the way, then you might start getting sick from your house. And that's why in the 1980s, we had a bunch of people saying, don't make a house too tight. You're going to get sick building syndrome. And these houses are making people sick. It was because 
they forgot the other part, which is when you make a house tight, you got to also ventilate it properly. Mm -hmm. And in fact, a leaky house on a really mild day when the air is not moving around outside, there's no wind, you're not going to have any ventilation in that house either. It, it, the house's air is not going to get replaced. So you could have stale air in any kind of house for any reason. The blower door test addresses the first step in what is obvious to most people as far as energy efficiency, but also in this bigger picture of performance and the tuning of the system. Nick, this seems like it gets back to something that we've said on the podcast before, and I think is one of your catchphrases, uh, build it tight and ventilate it right. Correct. Build it tight and ventilate it right. Can't say it any better. That is, uh, that is the saying, and it's, it's catchy. It sticks, in the, it sticks in the head, but that seems to speak exactly to, to what you're, you're, you're talking to there, Corbett, and I think that that makes a lot of sense. And so, uh, Grace, what are the three keys then to indoor chemistry for a healthy home? I, I've heard you that you have three keys, and I, I wanted to run down those real quick. Sure, absolutely. Well, um, the one, two, three of indoor chemistry to, to really make sure that you do have a healthy home are to remember these three things. Chemicals, number one, what chemicals are being introduced into your home? What are existing in your home and how are they interacting? That's something to just kind of keep top of mind right there. Number two, particles. Particles are bad. I mean, with, with chemicals, some chemicals are good, some chemicals are bad. And with particles, you just really do not want to be breathing in big particles, small particles. You, you really want to control particulate in your home. And then there's number three, which are microbes. And you're kidding yourself if you think that there aren't microbes in your home. Your home has its own microbiome, just like your body again. And a lot of people think that genocide is the answer when it comes to microbes. But then you're going right back up to the first thing, which is chemicals. If you bring in bleach and, and hardcore chemicals to just destroy the microbiome of your home, a, you're not going to kill it all, and B, you've introduced more chemicals now. And what are those chemicals now going to be doing to your home? So those are the three things that you really want to think about when you're thinking about the indoor air quality of your home, uh, chemicals, particles, and microbes. And so, Corbett, I, I suppose the follow-up then is what recommendations do you have to improve in these three areas? I suppose learn more about them, but then, you know, how do you then improve uh, when you look at the chemicals, particles, and microbes that, that, that exist in your home? Sure. So there are three, if you want to kind of get real bare bones, there's three main steps that you can take to control the indoor chemistry. First one is don't bring bad stuff into your house. Uh, that is completely ridiculous to try and actually <laughs> do in real life. You can Very try. Hard. Very like, don't, hard. Don't bring arsenic home. Right. Uh, don't bring, uh, you know, hydrochloric acid and pour it all over your, your floor. Um, but when you're talking about like what is in products nowadays, first of all, we can't, we have to have products, right? Anybody who says, oh, I'm going to go live off grid in the woods and not use deodorant and stuff like that, like, that's not really a lot, you know, you should be outside society. So if you want to be part of this society that we've built, you have to be using things like engineered products to build a house in the first place. Uh, and that's partly so that we don't run out of trees. You have to be using products that come from factories. Um, and manufacturers are not doing a bad job. They, they generally uh, are trying really hard to use the available resources to build things that are affordable and effective. However, there are a lot of chemicals that we're using that we don't know how they affect people. And yes, experimenting on animals is like kind of a, 
yucky thing to think about. Um, but also, we are all guinea pigs in a giant experiment that is going on. And it is our culture of consumer products. Right. And, so, and there's also regrettable substitutes. Sometimes when we do identify something that is bad as a mutagen, as something that creates um, cancer, like we know BPA is not good for you, sometimes regrettable substitutes come along, which is like BPS. And you go, well, wait, now now what is that? And so... And we don't know. We don't so know. anyway, there, yeah. there's if you want to learn more about that, there's a thing called the six classes of uh, chemical toxicity. And you want to just avoid those six classes. That's at sixclasses.org. Yeah. Um, but after we get through don't bring bad stuff home, which again, totally impossible. Then we move to step two, which is possible, which is ventilate. Even if you have an older home, even if you live in a teepee, <laughs> ventilation is incredibly important. A ventilation device in a teepee is the hole in the top of the teepee. If it's not there, you're going to die yeah. because the fire inside is going to poison you with carbon monoxide. So, um, so ventilation is very important. And that, that goes for things like bath fans, like very misunderstood things. Where does the bath fan go in a bathroom? Tyler. If it's got, right. So you, you walk in, here, here's a red flag thing for you. If you walk into any house, like go into your own bathroom today, look at where the bath fan is. Where is it? Oh man. It's, uh, like kind of just to the left. Uh, like if I look directly up when I'm standing at the sink, it is uh, slightly to the left, kind of closer to the, to the bathroom door. Great. Okay. So like in the middle of the room ish, right? That's great. Yeah. yeah. That's, uh, so builders call these fart fans a lot of the time. <laughs> um, and that's not a good thing to call it because that's not what it's for. It's right. there actually to exhaust the moisture that you're creating when you take a shower. So really, there's right. only one right place to put it in the bathroom, and it's over the shower. You'll never see that because it, it means that the electrician has to do some extra stuff. And it's just like makes things more complicated. And I don't want to have this discussion with you because I'm a builder and I'm busy. So anyway, not, nothing against builders, but this whole concept of ventilation, like we don't even, we, we can't even understand how the bath fans need to be put. So something like an ERV or an HRV, which I'll talk about in a second, which uh, ties into number three recommendation, which is keep it dry. So if you can keep your home dry, then you can be reasonably sure that you're not going to be uh, having a flourishing of microbial life and a flourishing of the ejection of chemicals and particles up into the air that you're breathing. If the chemicals and the particles are sitting on surfaces, and there's a ton of surfaces inside of a home, that's the main difference between inside and outside spaces, is the mass, vast amount of surface area inside. If they're sitting on the surfaces, they're safe, technically, because the main thing we're talking about with indoor chemistry is the breathing of these things. Your lungs are not like your digestive system. If you, you are cooking turkey on Thanksgiving and you eat the turkey at the end versus you're breathing the turkey the whole time you're cooking it without the kitchen <laughs> exhaust hood on, what's the difference? Some people might say, it's all going inside my body. And that is a gross misunderstanding of what is actually happening. Your digestive system has your liver, your kidneys, all kinds of different mechanisms. You can eject what you have eaten out of one end of your body or the other. Your lungs have no uh, protective procedures at all. They have no extra systems to take toxicities out of your body. So things that go into your lungs, your infant little totally defenseless, dumb lungs <laughs> go straight into your body and, and they'll just be there forever. So those three steps, don't bring bad stuff home, which again, try all you can. Number two, ventilate. And number three, keep it dry are really what that's about. And the, the heroes of the whole home chem story here, by the way, are number one, kitchen exhaust. Gotta have kitchen exhaust. And that means that a fan that runs quietly, because if it's not quiet, no one's going to use it, that goes outside 
and actually works. And you, there's ways to test this. We show it on our YouTube channel. We'll show it on season two of the television series, uh, Home Diagnosis. But that is the most important thing. Then as far as ventilation goes, bath fans and ERVs and HRVs are balanced versions of this. You don't have to go into a totally ducted system. We have separately ducted systems for our ventilation devices in our uh, house that we've built here in Atlanta. And in fact, in the tiny lab, which is our tiny house on wheels that we built to sh teach people about this topic. Um, but you don't have to do that. You could just start with something that's like, just get the stale air out of my house and bring fresh air in through all the crap, you know, the cracks and gaps that Nick was talking about. Uh, that's, that's fine. Like that's a version of it. It's not a very good version and you're going to get air coming from all kinds of weird places, but that's really important. And then obviously dehumidification, uh, which an ERV is kind of a version of, by the way, which and we can talk about more uh, later. ERV stands for energy recovery ventilation for people who don't know. And then HRV is heat recovery ventilation. And then filtration. And that's basically it. If you, if you get those things right. And filtration, by the way, also for vacuums, which people don't think about, get a HEPA vacuum instead yes. of just a normal old vacuum. Because anything that's going to eject these particles and chemicals from the, the floor where they're nice and safe up into the air where you can breathe them is just not not good news. Right. Well, now I know why my bathroom is still all foggy, even though I use the the <laughs> uh, vent, you know, and uh, the, the the bathroom fan, and uh, when I shower, and uh, it still gets all foggy. So now I know it's just in the wrong spot. Mm -hmm. um, and so, uh, yeah, I've learned I've learned something very very important. It answers an age old question for me <laughs> of why this <laughs> continues to happen. Um, so now you have your next weekend project. Oh, I, I did not need another one of those, but. That notwithstanding. So what, what does it look like to, to actually implement these solutions, to put them into practice, to take the knowledge that we've gained here, like me learning why my bathroom still gets all, all foggy, and what, is it, what does it look like to, to actually implement these and put these into practice? As I just referred to, like your next weekend project. I mean, a lot of this stuff can be done. We, we have literally done this ourselves. And again, um, Corbett, one of his taglines is sometimes I'm an idiot. And it's true <laughs> that we get things wrong, but we also are just quick learners. Um, and if you have that in you, um, I really think that all of this is possible. We have actually just completed our second house build. The first house build was a tiny house and 200 square feet, but has all of the systems and the science uh, incorporated in it. And we specifically built it to teach people about the science. We did a nationwide tour called the Proof is Possible Tour back in 2016 and went to 37 cities teaching everybody that their big house should be like our tiny house. Um, it wasn't about minimalism. It was all about home science. And now we've followed the build of our larger home here in Atlanta, which is like our forever home. It's a 100-year-old home that we are, well, it's one-year-old, but we plan for it to be 100 <laughs> years. And um, and we did it ourselves. I mean, my, my husband, Corbett, here was the lead on it, and his two co- uh, crew members was his mother and father who are not builders either. So it's, it's absolutely possible. So the, the main thing is to always know where you're starting. So if you're building new, which is what we have uh, been doing for the last five years, then you want to have a plan and you want to have that plan really down pat. You want to address all four of the elements of home performance, which again, from last episode are heat flow, airflow and pressure, moisture and air quality. And then you want to, um, move forward from there. And then you want to test 
because you will make mistakes. Anybody mm-hmm. who's knows a builder, just ask them next time you're with them. Hey, do you ever make mistakes or do, does anything ever go wrong on site? And if they're honest, they will tell you every single day <laughs> something goes horribly wrong. Like, yeah, it's just the life of, of the construction industry. And, and so you- testing and inspection becomes really important because it's just like in a, a factory. If they don't have quality control procedures, it's going to get screwed up. Yeah. And you can think about it all you want, but you absolutely still have to be on site. Um, even when you're bringing pros in to to do something, because we didn't do it all ourselves. I mean, we frankly don't like drywall. So we had a crew come in and do that because we knew they'd do it faster and better and quicker. And then we wouldn't have to deal with that mess. Um, but we were on site to make sure that they didn't then use their knives when they were cutting the holes out for the outlets and puncturing our air barrier, our internal air barrier. So it's that kind of thing. You need that quality assurance. You definitely need to be thinking through it. And if anybody wants to see how we thought through it, we literally have webinars on every single step of the house on our YouTube channel at home performance, where you can watch the build of the tiny lab, which is what we call our tiny house and the build of our big house. And so that's on the new construction side. If you wanted to just start improving your house, no, no matter how old it is um, and where you live, you would test first to know what the house is actually doing right now. And that basically involves putting on a treadmill. So you do a blower test, you do a zonal pressure test, you do infrared thermography, you would do HVAC testing, you test the airflows, you test the duct leakage. And Corbett is saying a lot of testing and you might just think, oh my gosh, dollars and dollars are just flying out of my pocketbook when we're talking about this testing. But truly it saves you money. Because again, if you start throwing money at a problem, but you don't know you fixed it, what are you really achieving? Right. So you want that starting point. And I think that the the thing that gets people in trouble is that, that idea of if something is good, more of it must be better. Something like insulation. If they're like, oh, I'm talking to an insulation contractor and I said R, R40, which is that's how you grade insulation, resistance of 40. Um, R50 is better than R40. And the insulation contractor will just give me the upgrade to R50 for an extra 10 bucks. Like maybe that's what I want. But if they're not doing air sealing as well, because the home is a system and everything you do to a house has impacts, you insulate without doing air sealing. And you could actually, by doing something good, and I'm making quotes right now in the air, to your house, you could grow mold in your house as a result of that. And then your family gets sick because of something you did that was good, that supposedly adding insulation is important. And I, you know, I've heard a little bit about building science and I know at least this much. Um, That's why the testing is just so incredibly important. And then modeling what will happen later and thinking through the home as a system. And then when you're done testing it, and this goes for just a bath fan, like get back to the simple idea, Mm -hmm. you install a bath fan. The bath fan is tested at the factory. And if it's a good bath fan, it'll be labeled HVI certified, which is the Home Ventilating Institute, which Nick is incidentally very involved with as well. And they're big on education and certifications. So if this bath fan is good, it is HVA certified, that means it's tested at a lab to, to know exactly how much air it's supposed to push. It says it on the label. This is supposed to push 50 CFM, which is how you measure airflow. When you install it, you test it. And if it's moving 50 CFM, and this is a very easy test to do, it, it costs almost no money to get the diagnostic tools for that. If it's doing what it's designed to do, you win. That's it. And now you can pay your contractor and you're done. If it's not, which I would say 90% of the fans that I test do not actually do what they were designed to do because they were installed incorrectly, 
part of it is who is installing this thing. In a new build, the electrician often is given the job of installing bath fans. Why does the electrician care about your bathroom exhaust? They don't. Right. And the ducts could be all wonky, uh, which can, you know, dis... Just the, the ductwork could be too too small. It could be taking too many turns. It could be made out of the wrong material. Uh, and and inter- introduce a really high pressure to the fan, which means the fan's not going to work. Anyway, it, it's like you can't get too simple with this stuff. And it is not rocket science. If we're able to do this, anybody can do it. Nick, you, is, is there something you want to add on, on this topic? Because uh, we've mentioned your expertise here uh, a little bit. Uh, give us some thoughts on, on what Corbett and Grace have been talking about and, uh, and maybe a little insight from the, uh, from the Renew Air perspective. Absolutely. It, it's interesting because we, we, we don't know what happens in a home um, based on the activity within the space. Uh, we, we have to seal because... As we alluded to earlier, we want to maintain a controlled environment. Then we need to ventilate. And, and you know, we do so many things to our, to our homes based on, on consumer demand. I'll give you one little example. When we're talking about chemistry, uh, we, if we go back uh, 15, 20 years ago, uh, we used to paint a room and then we couldn't use the room for about two, three days uh, because uh, it smelled, you know, that paint smell. And, and that's called total volatile organic compounds, which is TVOCs. And, and consumers today said, oh, we hate it. It smells too bad. We don't like the fact that we have to ventilate the room and keep the windows open and not use it for three days. So we developed something called a water-based paint, which has SVOCs, which is semi-volatile organic compounds. You paint and you can use the room that night because it doesn't smell. What people don't realize is that the TVOCs uh, 15, 20 years ago used to off-gas for three days and then you were all set to go. Uh, Today, uh, we don't smell it, but the TVOCs are going to be off-gassing below the threshold limit, means you can't smell it, for up to 25 years. And you're right, we don't know what comes in through our supply chain. We say that formaldehyde is a banned substance, but somehow or another, it ends up in our homes. And we want to use engineered materials because engineered materials absolutely do give us certain benefits. But engineered materials also come with something called phenols, which are neurodisruptors, which are terrible for pregnant women and uh, and, and kids. So um, the criticality of build a Titan ventilator, right, is, is is so important. And and I don't know if you're starting to, to, to see a pattern here that all of these systems have to be installed and, and they have to be tested. Uh, and it's the age old thing called, uh, you know, trust, but verify. And, and that verification part can only come from the testing that we keep talking about, which is so critical. You know, you don't know what's behind the walls. And, uh, and you know, to, to what was talked about a second ago, um, the bath fan is tested uh, and it's, uh, it's designed and it's tested to perform in a certain way. But you're right, when, when the ceiling gets put in, um, a homeowner doesn't know whether that duct has been crimped. And if the duct has been crimped, then no, you're not going to get your 50 CFM. You're only going to get 25 CFM. And then because you've sealed your building so tight, because once again, you want that controlled environment. Now you've tightened the building. You have the fact that you're off-gassing certain gases for I don't know how many years. Uh, Plus you have your activity, especially today with COVID and you're using ammonias and chlorines uh, for cleaning your space. 
So activity becomes very critical. And now your bathroom exhaust fan that was supposed to be delivering 50 CFM can't because the installation was poorly done and you've only got 25 CFM and now you've got half the airflow, but you still have the same level of contaminants. So when you're looking at all of these individual components that, that get installed, and then looking at how they all work holistically as a package or a single system, um, verification becomes paramount, almost critical to, to anything because you're going to end up in a situation where you've built a really tight house and now to what Corbett was alluding to, uh, you're going to be polluting and contaminating the people indoors to the point where they will be sick. So, um, so looking at the components is very critical. Looking at the installation of those components to make sure that they're installed correctly is absolutely paramount. And the only way we can do that is with everything that Corbett and Grace are alluding to. Well, this has been uh, just an absolutely fantastic conversation. I feel like it's been so informative and educational. So Corbett and Grace, uh, let me toss it over to you guys just to uh, wrap us up today. Give us uh, any final thoughts that you have. If you wanted to summarize this for people or uh, touch on any points that we haven't hit on yet here on the podcast, uh, let me turn things back over to you to, uh, to close us out for today's episode. Well, I think one of the big things is we really want to encourage people to continue thinking about this and continue the conversation. So you can watch the show, uh, which our show is called Home Diagnosis. You can go to homediagnosis.tv and see our first season, as well as some interstitial content, which is educational material that we put out during COVID. Um, Season two will be coming out this fall. Also, we are very active on Instagram and YouTube at Home Performance, and we're just going to keep the conversation going there. And if you have questions, you can always answer them because Corbett stays really active there. Of course. We, we have a training center. We're just basically trying to get the word out about this as in as many different ways as possible. You can download a 24-page full-color booklet called Proof is Possible, How to Keep an Eye on Your New Construction or Home Improvement Project. Uh, it's got, you know, color photos of this is bad, this is good, and kind of the basis of understanding this because we all need to be involved in the quality control for the building industry so that we can take this whole thing up to the next level where we're getting what we're paying for and we know that it's not going to have side effects that are going to affect our children. Right. And the way we're going to be able to change that is by changing who the boss is remembering that the boss is the homeowner. So the homeowner needs to to own up and have this education. Absolutely fantastic stuff. Corbett and Grace Lunsford, the co-creators and hosts of the TV series Home Diagnosis. Uh, you heard them uh, with all of the different ways that you can get in touch, you can ask questions, you can get more information. They're all about education and helping you be better informed. So Corbett and Grace, thank you so much for joining us here on the podcast today. Absolutely. Thank you, guys. Thanks. Bye. And Nick, thank you once again for, uh, for joining me here for another episode of IAQIQ, Indoor Air Quality and You. Thank you so much. And everyone, thank you so much once again for tuning in to another episode of the show. Remember, this was a two-part series, so if you missed part one with Corbett and Grace, go back and check out that episode as well. And while you're there, subscribe to the show to stay up to date with the latest from the indoor air quality experts at Renew Air. And stay tuned for new episodes coming out all the time. But until then, I've been your host today, Tyler Kern. Thanks so much for listening. 